0: Anybody ready today? Well, I am very honored for the opportunity uh, to get to preach today on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day once again to all the dads out here. Um, Pastor Dennis is currently off to the country of Iceland doing missions work. And so I so appreciate the opportunities that he gives me to preach here on Sundays. Uh, If you showed up today expecting to hear Pastor Dennis, have no fear. He'll be back next Sunday um but today you get to deal with me and so um and if if you're a dad and you showed up here today and you did not win the Lamborghini contest maybe just maybe this message will help you ease the pain a little bit so but to the guy who did win you better watch your back in the parking lot so by the way since it's father's day real quick I want to tell you about my dad um, I have the mic. I have, can say whatever I want but I gotta be careful. But I wanna tell you about my dad real quick. My dad is a great man of God. I love him so much. He actually was my pastor for many years. My dad was a pastor. Uh, He was my youth pastor at one time. That was weird, but whatever. Um, And then my dad, he's a great man of God. He was my pastor. He's a mentor to me. He's like, when I have questions about the Bible or even just about life, about fixing cars, all that kind of stuff, I call my dad. Any of you guys, you were the flashlight holder for your dad when he worked on cars yeah so you know what it's like to get your feelings hurt so um so always my dad is he's the first one of the the first person i call uh when i get into a bind when i have questions about the bible and all this kind of stuff and just so you know too i'm the youngest of his six kids which means that i'm actually his favorite um and my other siblings will probably agree with that um but um But yeah, so I wanted to show you this. A few years ago, I did this. Um, I took the, I found these old pictures of myself and my dad when I was really, really little. And then I wanted to try to recreate some of these pictures. And this was like 2019, I think. But I want to show you this first one. Um, This is, yeah, that's my dad and myself. Oh, aren't we adorable? Actually, me, not him, but whatever. Um, You can tell I've grown to look like my dad. Um, So... Uh, so yeah, that's myself and my dad, uh, probably in the 1980s sometime. And then this next picture, we tried to recreate it. Yeah, it, it it didn't, yeah, I am totally squashing my dad. He was like, ugh, when we took the picture. He's got the ugh face. Uh, so check out this next one, though. Uh, that's Yeah, that's me and my dad taking a nap together. Um, actually, I saw that picture of myself and it looks like Jet, I guess, my youngest. And so, um, so that's us taking a nap. And then, so here's this one. Yeah, so, so there we are. Yeah, my dad, he's fun, he's goofy and I admire and I love my dad and I know he'll listen to this later. So happy Father's Day, dad, I love you. I'll call you later. Um, but I want you to know also that it, it is my greatest privilege to be a father. To be a dad. Um, Actually, when I was back here, uh, waiting to come out here, um, I got a call from my son who is actually in Iceland as well uh, with with our missions team. And he called me just a minute ago to tell me happy Father's Day. Um, He didn't have phone service. And so he called me from Pastor Dennis's phone. And I was like, I'm in trouble. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I've done. Maybe I wrecked the game or something. But uh, he called me from. He doesn't have phone service there, so he called me from Pastor Dennis's phone. And I'm just blessed. I, he, he's 19. Um, just finished his first year of college. And uh, and then my beautiful little girl Evie. Uh, she is the love of my life. And and she's 16. And then there's the wild man, Jet Calvin pray for us people that that boy he needs Jesus so are you ready for the word today all right so we're going to be in in the book of Mark chapter uh eight um and I want you to let it let you know real quick that I'm a holla back preacher Uh, and so uh if if you if you holla back while I preach I preach that much better so and we get done quicker so um, you can say preach it white boy. You can say that's good. You can say lean to the person. You can say that was for me, or you could be lean to the person and say that was for you. Um, but today I want someone to give Carol a run for her money. So, um, Thank you. so here we go. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try to preach now. So, uh, Mark eight, I want to encourage you to take notes because note takers are history makers. And a lot of you guys are like, well, I don't take notes anymore. Well, you're not making history. So, I'm sorry. Let's, let's continue to make history. So here we go. Mark 8. We're going to start in verse 22. We're going to read to 26. I'm going to talk about, uh, hopefully this message today uh, challenges everyone, but then also I'm going I'm to challenge fathers a little bit today as well. So I think a lot of times we show up to these kind of special services and like, ah, it's just for the dads or just for the moms. But like, My goal today is to to encourage everyone. And so hopefully we get there. So here we go. It says, then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had, Jesus was a spitting preacher. When he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees. And then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. There's so much to unpack here in this, these, ver- these few verses, especially spitting Jesus. Um, but I want you today, we're gonna look at the words that come out of the blind man's mouth. He says this, he says, I see men like trees walking. And so if you're a note taker, and if you are into titles, the title of today's message is men like trees. Everybody say men, men. Like, trees. like trees. Let's pray real quick. Jesus, I pray that you would just help me to deliver your word today, help us to catch it, help us to receive it and help um Hope it to be a great Father's Day for all the dads here. In Jesus' name. Everybody say. Okay. There is an African proverb that says this. Until the lion learns how to write, every story will glorify the hunter. (laughs) And here's the deal. That proverb is a reminder that we all have this human tendency to highlight our strengths. Right. You like you go to a job interview and you're like, what are your strengths? Well, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. What are your weaknesses? Ah, Right. And and so people are really loud about their victories, but really quiet about their vulnerabilities, especially men. Right. Like we want you to know that we are Superman. Right. Even little guys like me, like dynamite comes in small packages, people, just so you know. Like, we, we want you to know that we are Superman, but we don't want you to see our kryptonite. And so, actually, all the ladies are in the room, let me help you out real quick. Your man will never become the Superman that God has called him to be if you keep bringing up his kryptonite. Okay. Uh, listen, we know our kryptonite. We know our kryptonite. Don't talk to me about my Clark Kent, right? Tell me who I am in Christ. Tell me who I can become. If you will speak life into your man, I promise you'll see a change. Like he will find the closest phone booth and transform right in front of your eyes. Brothers, are you gonna say amen? Okay. So we love to talk about our victories. We love to talk about our victories. Like, have you ever noticed the older you get, the greater you were, Right? Like I tell football stories to my kids, like I made touchdowns and I did all this stuff. And like, I mean, I kind of did some of that, but like, like we don't want anybody to know though about our vulnerabilities. Like hear me, men, your victory just isn't only in your valor, but your victory is also in your vulnerability. See, your, your ability to show your weakness I once heard a pastor say this, we lead with our strengths, but we connect through our vulnerabilities. But men, we're too busy saying, oh, I got it, I got it. I don't need your help. I don't need your help. I got it, I got it. Get back. I can handle it. I can do this. Like we hate vulnerability. And and like, and don't get mad at us. You taught us this, right? As kids, what do we do when our kids get upset? Suck it up, cut it out, quit it. Boys don't cry. And we've been sucking it up for years. And then we get married to a woman that says, you never communicate. You never tell me how you feel. Our victory is in our ability to be vulnerable. And this is what I love about Jesus. He was our model for manhood. Like, you know, he was powerful. He was all powerful. Like, like, don't get it twisted today. Jesus was all powerful. Like who else could be asleep on a boat in the middle of a hurricane and get woken up because his disciples were scared and he goes to the edge of the ship and he's like, peace, be still. And everything chills out, right? And like the hurricane gets slain in the spirit. Like it, he's that powerful. But, that, but that, same, that same savior, that same powerful man was in the garden of Gethsemane one day and he was was facing the cross and now he's running to those same disciples who woke him up and now he's waking them up saying, hey, wake up, would you pray for me? Because I'm going through a storm on the inside. Like Jesus was powerful, but he was vulnerable. Like who else could go into a graveyard and say, Lazarus, come forth and call a dead man out of the grave. Like he was powerful, but he was vulnerable. And he also wept with the family before he raised the dead man from life to life. Men, your victory is in your ability to be vulnerable. Back to our text in Mark, the blind man was a vulnerable man. Like there, there's nothing like blindness that makes you Vulnerable. Like, let's, let's do a little exercise in the room. Could everybody in the room just kind of close your eyes just for a moment? Everyone close your eyes. I can see you peeking. Um, close your eyes just for a moment. And so just imagine, just for a moment, you're, you're, you're blind here. And, and so you're trying to get back to your car after the service. Like how, how, just imagine how difficult it is to get back to your car after the, hopefully you're not driving anyways, right? But, um, but how far would you get? Maybe not very far. Like you, you would eventually be lucky to get out of this room. Like you can open your eyes now. It, if you were blind, you would struggle to take a step. Like a blind person is always led by Somebody. Like when you're blind, you're, you're, you're susceptible to voices around you. If you're blind, like, and someone told you your hair was blue, it could be blonde, but you have no idea you would believe it was blue because you have to rely on the voices around you when you have no vision. See, the danger of a man or a person with no vision, when you have no God-given vision, you will live your life believing the lies that other people tell you telling you that you're worthless, telling you that you'll never amount to anything. And some of us, even in our adulthood, are still believing all, all the things that were told to us when we were children. And you're an adult and you could be so smart, you could be, have more degrees than a thermometer, but every single day, you're trying to, fight, to trying to fight the voices of your past when you had no vision for who you really were. See, you're vulnerable when you have no vision. And this, this was this man's life until the Bible says, some people. The very first part of that verse, it says some people. And I don't know who they are. The Bible doesn't say their names, but they are the heroes in this story. Like, hey, brother, you need to get up, follow me, come with me. I heard Jesus is coming to town. I saw it on Google Maps. You gotta get here. Like he, He's showing up. I, I heard he has a reputation for healing the sick, giving sight to the blind. Get up, blind man, let's go. Like, you can't see, but I'll get you there. See, to me, at this moment is where the miracle began. I don't know how to get to Jesus, but I'll trust you to lead me to him. See, that's where the miracle started. Not when he got to Jesus and his eyes were opened. It's when his friends got him to Jesus. See, many of you guys in this room didn't even know you needed Jesus at one point in your life because blind people can't follow Jesus. It would have been ridiculous when he got his sight to say, I found Jesus. Blind people can't find anything. Maybe some of you need to change your testimony. Like, I I found Jesus. Now Jesus was never lost. He found you. He found you. And I want you to know that he's always been seeking you. He's always been looking for you. Even when you weren't even thinking about him, he was thinking you were on his mind. See, the friends of the blind man are the heroes of the story because they knew it's not my responsibility to heal my friend, it's my responsibility to get my friend to Jesus. Amen. See, you get your friends to Jesus, Jesus does the healing. The healing's on Jesus, the bringing is on us. And this happens with our family, with our kids, with our friends, with our co workers with the people around us, with the people we go to school with, the people that we work with. I wish we could understand this because I want you to know that our teenagers are getting it. They're bringing their friends who need Jesus. There's a revival taking place. Like, listen, I don't know how to save them, but I can get them to the one who can. It's not your job to do the healing, but it's our job to get them into the atmosphere where the healing can take place. Listen, in, in my house growing up, it was no democracy. It was a dictatorship, right? Like, like dads, like, like if the church doors were open, we were there. It was no option. Like I'm telling you, my dad put us in the atmosphere. And I remember one Sunday, I got really bold. I got really bold and I was like, I'm not going to church today. And my dad said, listen, you have two options. You can go to church or I'll kill you. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'll go to church, dad. (laughs) There were times um, we threatened to go to the police station to report our dad and he goes, I'll beat you there. (laughs) So there was no winning with my, he won everything. So like these friends of the blind man they knew their responsibility was to bring the man to Jesus. I, I even like what they say when they brought him. When they brought him to Jesus, they got the blind man to Jesus, and they were like, touch him. Just, just touch him. And, and they didn't say, heal him. They said, just touch him. They knew that one touch from Jesus can change a life forever. Like you imagine the blind man, he's standing there, he's blind, he, he's let out of town um, and they're saying, touch him and he's standing there and he's like, here, here it goes, here it goes. I'm about to be able to see again. I'm about to be able to see and, and, and I'm about to be healed. But the first thing Jesus touches isn't his eyes. It's his hand. Isn't that kind of like Jesus? Isn't that totally a Jesus move? right? We think we need one thing, but Jesus does another. We're like, well, well touch my eyes, and he grabs your hand. We're like, uh, Jesus, that's, that's not my problem, and that's your problem, right? Jesus will touch another area of your life that you don't think needs to be touched. See, some of you think the addiction, the alcoholism, whatever it is that you keep running to, you think that's the problem, but that is the fruit of the problem, The root of the problem may be the pain in your soul because maybe you never had an earthly father who told you who you were. So you keep trying to find it in everything else. It can only be found in a savior who had a good father who said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And once you have that approval from your heavenly father, you'll stop trying to reach for it in all these other places. See, Jesus takes the blind man by the hand and he, he takes him out of the village. Like they were in town. He's like, come on, you're going with me. He takes him out of the village and, he said, and he's like, I'm gonna deal with your eyes in just a minute. But the first thing I gotta do is get you out of this town. You gotta get out of this village. You gotta get out of this place. Why did, why did Jesus do that? Because your village affects your vision. See, your environment affects your eyes. Jesus was saying, What good is it for me to give you new eyes, but to keep you in the same environment? Men, do you have anyone that's sharpening you? The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. Like, do you have another man of God in your life that's pushing you out of the village, that's encouraging you, that's walking with you, that's speaking life, that's speaking truth to you? Who is your village? Because your village will affect your vision. Like, have, have you ever met those negative people who light up a room when they walk out? <laughs> right? And so I want you to see something real quick. Jesus led this man outside of the village. And what was this village? It's Bethsaida. That's the place where they were at. I want you to know, Jesus didn't like Bethsaida. Jesus, had, Jesus actually had towns that he didn't like. You want me to prove it to you? Let's look at Matthew 11, verse 20. It says this, "'Then he began to rebuke the cities "'in which most of his mighty works had been done, "'because they did not repent. "'Woe to you, Chorazin! "'Woe to you, Bethsaida! "'For if the mighty works which were done in you "'had been done in Tyre and Sidon, "'they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes.'" See, Bethsaida is a city where Jesus did mighty works, but they still refuse to believe. See, he cannot do the miraculous in an environment of unbelief. God help our unbelief. Some of you are trying to prove who you are to some people who aren't committed to your belief. They'll never never be changed. We will never see, like they'll never see the new you and if Jesus couldn't do it then you can't either the village will affect your vision so Jesus he got him out of the village and i'm sure that the man could tell that he's in a new environment like maybe like worship music's playing in the background and Jesus takes him outside and and like this this man he's right there he's ready to be healed like and and he hears a noise over the worship music and he hears is, is he? It, don't be so holy, okay? Like this is, I'm reading, just reading the Bible here, okay? Jesus spit loogies too. And Jesus proceeds to spit in the man's eyes. Why is Jesus spitting on people? Like, could you imagine next Sunday, Pastor Dennis is here. At the end of the service, we come together for prayer. You come forward to pray with Pastor Dennis. And you got your hands up and you're like, pray for me, Pastor Dennis, and you hear. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna be a good day. <laughs> for those of you who grew up in Sunday school, you, knew, you know that this isn't the first time Jesus spit on people, right? It turns out Jesus was a serial spitter. In in Mark uh, 7, there was a deaf man and Jesus spits on his fingers, plugs it in the man's ears and the man can hear. In John 8, there was a man who was born blind and Jesus spits in the mud and he makes mud and he rubs it on the man's eyes and he's healed. Why is Jesus spitting? So sometimes when we're, when we're understanding, when we're reading the scriptures and we're understanding the word of God and there's sometimes you have to take the culture of what's going on into account. And so the, what's culture is taking place in this time, they believed that spit had medicinal purposes. So when Jesus was spitting, he was actually trying to be, so, be kind. Oh, that's so kind of you, <laughs> right? Um, like like what he was doing, he was meeting them where they were. Like you think your healing is in the spit. It's not, it's in me. But since you think healing is in the spit, I'm willing to meet you where you are if you'll just take a step. See, God will take a step towards you if you just take a step, just start, just start. You don't have to be praying three hours a day. Maybe you could just three minutes a day. Just start. God is willing to meet you right where you start. And so Jesus, he spits on the man's eyes and, and he touches the man's eyes. And, and here is where the miracle gets crazy. Because you would think after he gets out of town, after the spit, you would think the natural progression would be, hallelujah, I can see. But that's not what happened. The spit did not produce the healing. And it's no wonder that uh, in the gospel of Mark, this is the only author that actually records this miracle. None of the others, other gospels talk about it. And this is the only one in the miracle where it took two touches. But look at this, Jesus spits and he touches and then he asks him the question, can you see anything? You you know, when Jesus is asking, there's a reason. He wanted to see if the man was gonna be honest about his current condition. Like, hear me, men. God does not need your perfection. He needs your honesty. The Bible says a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he will not deny. God wants your honesty. He wants your honesty. And so maybe the blind man's standing there and he's like, uh, Jesus, Mr. Jesus, uh, I, I appreciate the touch and the spit, but it's, it's not clear. My vision isn't clear. It, it, it's blurry. And so one of the hardest things for believers to do is to be honest when it's blurry. We, we never want to admit that we don't have a clear picture. It, it's hard for us to say, I don't know. It's hard for us to say that. People, can, people can't admit when it's blurry. And sometimes God will take you from blind to blurry. I, and I, I need your help because I, I am not a singer. I am not a worship team person. But there's a song that you probably know if you've grown up in church. It's called Amazing Grace. Can you help me out with it? Uh, yeah, come on. Grace. How sweet the sound! Come on, a choir of angels. Uh, like me, was lost, but but now blurry. We don't like that song. But God will take you from blind to blurry. And the blurry is a blessing because what it does, it makes you seek him more. Blurry makes you seek God for clarity. Have you ever been watching a video on your phone or on your TV and and it happens to just get blurry for a moment? What do you do? You, You lean in. You get close when it's blurry. It's the same way with Jesus. You lean in closer when it gets blurry. Uh, Can we have our keyboard player come on up? The blind man said, Jesus, it's not clear. It's blurry. And then look what he says this. Look what he says next. I see men like trees walking. That's an odd thing to say for a blind man to say. Yeah. In order to say, I see men like, that means he must have seen something before. If you say, you look like Travis Kelsey, you better have seen Travis Kelsey before, right? To make the comparison. Because this wasn't a miracle of just a man who was blind. This was a miracle of Jesus giving sight to a man who was blind, and but he could see before. This wasn't a man born blind. At one point, this man could see. This is a story of restoration. And there's nothing our God can't restore. Let me tell you fathers in the room, there's nothing that God can't restore. There's nothing, you may have broken relationships with your kids, there's nothing that God can't restore. You may have a busted up marriage, there's nothing God can't restore. God can restore it and there's nothing, I want to remind you, there is nothing that God can't restore. Um, But the man, he was honest. He was honest about it being blurry. Following that, God gave him clarity and then told him to go home but don't go back to that village. See, I, I think he, he wanted him to go home and be a tree. Of all the things he could have compared the men to in this blurry state, he said, I see men like trees. I'm glad he didn't say, I see men like elephants. I see men like trees because that's what I see in this room. I see men whose homes are planted. I see men in their homes that are grounded. I see men whose roots grow deep, who don't give up. They may bend at times, but they do not break. I'm telling you, I see men in this room who are not perfect, but are growing in the knowledge and the wisdom of God. I see men in this room I see men like trees who will touch and reach the next generation. I see men like trees who are planted in the house of God. Check this out. Psalm one, verses one through three, it says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. and all he does, he prospers. I see men in this room like trees. We need men like trees dads, fathers, we need men like trees. Fathers, your your influence goes further than you realize. A kid's greatest influence is is their dad. I I grew up in a home, like my my parents, we had a a lot of foster kids come in and out our home over the years and we, we foster kids and all kinds of stuff. And it was always amazing to me, no matter how bad the situation was that the kid came out of, they always wanted to go back home. They always wanted the love of their father and their mother. In this room, I see men like trees. Fathers, your influence, it goes far. It goes farther than you realize. And even fathers with grown kids, your influence still goes far fathers we need you to show up we need you to show up we need you to be faithful we need you to be grounded we need you to have roots that grow deep we need men like trees i'm going to ask every every man every father in this room to go ahead and stand up i see men like trees I see men like trees. Would you do this if you're if you're sitting around one of these men, one of these fathers? Would you just reach out a hand? We're gonna pray for our fathers this morning. I see men like trees. Heavenly Father, I pray for every one of these men. I pray strength. I pray courage. Some of them are are carrying such a burden. Lord, I pray that you would help them know that their victory can be found in their submission to you. Lord, I pray a special blessing on each one of these fathers on this Father's Day. I pray that you would just bless them. I pray that you would know how much they're loved, how much they're cared for. Lord, I I pray that you would just pour out your love on them right now. I pray that you would just help them know that they're valued, that they're loved. I pray that you would just bless them, help them to know that today, that they're needed, that they're valuable. Fathers in the room, I want you to know that God loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you. I see men like trees. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Man, I'm excited for, um, for what God's doing in this church. And I'm excited to see men like trees who are leading who are encouraging, who are helping, who are leading their families, who are loving their families. I see men like trees. And maybe for some of us, I'm just speaking to faith today, but man, faith takes steps, takes steps. And I, I'm praying, I'm seeing men in this room who are, who are growing to be the men of God that God's called you to be. Um, we're honored you've been here today weird ending to the service but what we're going to do we're going to do something a little bit special today uh, to end the service um, Guy who won the Lamborghini watch out in the parking lot um, watch your back. Um, what we're going to ask uh, Pastor Jerry and Tracy and their family to come out here. Uh, I don't know if you know this maybe if this is your first time here or maybe you're new or maybe you missed last week but we announced last week that Pastor Jerry and Tracy are stepping out of being our kids pastors here at the church and they're stepping into the role of being lead pastors at Central Assembly in Independence. And we're so excited for them. Yes. And, uh, and we love these guys so much and we're, we're excited for their next steps. This is not a... Um, a backward step, this is a step in faith that and we we 're believing that god's going to continue to move in their lives and in their ministries and wherever they step and in the next places that they go, would you all stand with me? We're gonna do this today. Uh, We're gonna pray for Pastor Jerry and Tracy and their family. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna release them out to the lobby. Uh, And then on your way out, you can greet them. You can love them. You can slip them a hundred dollar bill. You can... You can uh, say, "Hey, I'll buy your lunch." You can bless them however you want to. You can hug them, take a picture with them, whatever you need to do. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna honor them and bless them on their way out. This is, this is their last Sunday here with us, and and we just want to thank them for serving. Thank thank them for loving our kids. Thank them for being a blessing to us and our church and our ministry. And we just want to pray God's blessings over you Amen. in this next step. And so, if you would, would you just stretch a hand forward? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Lord, I just lift up Pastor Jerry and Tracy and this whole family to you, Lord. I pray that you would just bless them. I pray that you would give them abundance of blessings as they take this next step of faith, as you lead them, as you guide them, Lord. I pray that you would walk with them. I pray that you would give them wisdom and courage and knowledge. And I pray that you would give them a fresh vision and a fresh fire where you're taking them, Lord. I pray that you would just equip them. I pray that you would bring the people around them that need to be there and equip them to build your church. Lord, I just pray that you would just move miraculously on their lives. I pray that you would just do a great and mighty work as they step into this new season of their lives. And Lord, we just pray that you would just overwhelm them with blessings. God, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for for the time that we've got with, with Pastor Jerry and Tracy and the family. But Lord, we're excited for their next steps. We're excited for your leading them, excited for where you're guiding them. God, we love you so much and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 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 If you guys wanna step on out to the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> come on we love the hildebrands come on <clears throat> make sure please make sure and and stop by and just just thank them just love on them um the best way that you can and uh and just bless them on their way out uh, it's not like they're moving far away actually they're not moving at all they're just going to a different church and so um we want to we want to bless and honor them thank you for being here today i pray that um I pray that you have a blessed Father's Day, dads, in the room. Lord, I, 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 Lord I'm Lord, i still praying and when I'm not praying. Um, I pray that you just feel blessed today, dads. I pray that someone rubs your feet at home. I pray that uh, maybe you get the T-bone steak for lunch today. Whatever it is, I pray that you get it today. And so dads, we bless you. We honor you. We love you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, guys. We love you. You can be dismissed. Have a great Sunday.